Welcome to the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. Show notes, links and contact details can be found at robnunphoto.com. That's www.robnunphoto.com. SCL is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network and loads of other great tech podcasts can be found over at www.techpodcast.com. Now on with the show. Hi and welcome to SEL, the Subject, Composition and Light Photography Podcast. My name's Rob from RobNanPhoto.com and this is episode 212, recording on the 2nd of January 2013. Well, Happy New Year to everybody. It's been a busy few weeks. We've had Christmas, obviously, New Year. I've, uh, there's been lots to do at work and home, so apologies for the big gap between the podcasts, but here we go, we're into a new year, um, so let's see what we can get up to and learn and uh, and shoot for this year. Just a short podcast this week, um, and what I'd like to do is just go over the last two photo assignments we've been working on, nothing in depth, just a just a, just some broad brush strokes just to see what people have been doing and what we might learn from them. Um, and then maybe some ideas for a couple of new assignments for the next couple of months and uh, perhaps a surprise assignment that we could do over the next year. Now, the first assignment we were working on was one called uh, The Best of 2012, which was all about looking through the shoot, the shots you'd taken over the last 12 months and uh, showing them in the Flickr group and then sort of adding a little description if you wanted to about why those photos are important, why you like them, etc. Um, and I think there's some there's some great work uh, in, in the thread. And I'll put links to it over on the um, show notes for episode 212 over on robinonphoto.com. Um, and I guess I probably thought that in 2012 I didn't actually take that many excuse me, interesting photographs, but by seeing the shots that lots of other people have put up, it kind of fired me up to go back and look through um, uh, all the shots I'd taken and uploaded to Flickr in um, in day order. And I was actually quite surprised that I came up with some um, some okay photos in 2012. Um, and it also inspired me to, to really get moving for 2013. Um, because, you, you know, you kind of think, all right, well, I did all this in that year when I actually didn't think I'd do that well. So what can I what can I get on with this year? What sort of projects could I start working on to give the work a little bit more direction? And not just really direction, because I'm a big believer in just going out to a location or a series of locations and just looking for the things that capture your eye, you know, maybe shooting in almost like a documentary type um, way. But the problem with that is sometimes you become a little bit um, lost for ideas about how what you're going to shoot, where you're going to go, etc. And by having personal projects to work through, that gives you the idea of saying, look, I know that on this particular day, you know, I've got a couple of hours free, therefore why don't I go and get these shots for this particular project? And it gets you gets you out there shooting instead of sort of sitting on the internet and uh, wasting time. So, best of 2012, fabulous photos in the, in the 
in the Flickr thread. Well done to everybody who took part. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. Um, and uh, yeah, and let's uh, see what we can come up in 2013. The other, the other uh, assignment we did was Abstract Christmas. And that was equally great because there were so many really cool ideas that I think I'll be taking forward this year. Because we kind of get caught in this this um, obsession of having really crisp, really sharp photographs. Um, you know, you go on websites that are all about gear reviews and lens reviews especially, and they're always talking about how sharp from corner to corner a particular lens can be. And that we tend to then equate the fact that a good photo has to be a sharp photo. But the problem with that is that that isn't really true. Um, and photography is just all about just capturing light and in order to um, get things like mood and feeling and emotion across in an image you can use lots of different things and one of them is a, you know a lack of sharpness um, a blur a softness etc or a movement that you can impart into an image and the idea with the abstract Christmas one of course was, was to take an image take a subject that's in front of you and by doing something with the camera or the subject or even in post-processing changing that so it's not obviously a photograph of a Christmas tree for example but the essence of the Christmas tree is still there but you've distilled it down into into something else um, and that could be by moving the camera during the exposure moving the zoom um, moving the subjects, um, shaking things, all sorts of stuff like that, maybe firing flash, using different colours etc. But I think one of my favourite images from, from the series of images in that thread over on Flickr is John Porto's Christmas tree and for everybody who hasn't seen it already, basically what John's done is taken a photograph, a long exposure of a Christmas tree, probably over several seconds, and during that exposure he's spun the camera so all the lights on the Christmas tree become a circle and I guess because he started off with the 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 white lights kind of at the top maybe with a camera on its side I'm not dead sure maybe he just flipped it over you kind of still get the idea that it's a Christmas tree because of the colors of the lights so you know the reds and the and, and the greens and the whites but because of the movement in the camera um, again it's distilled it down and, and created this kind of abstract and you know so the next time you're out and about with your camera taking photographs just think about tightening up your aperture maybe getting your ISO down really really low maybe using something like a neutral density filter to allow the camera to be able to have a longer exposure and remember anything over you know a, a, a 20th of a second anything longer than that you know you can move the camera and get some sort of uh, blur effect whether that be by panning or by zooming or, or shaking the camera around and but and then what you can do is then you can take these subjects you've got in front of you and as I said before um, abstract them distill them down create something else that is still the essence of that subject but in a, in a different form um, very interesting, very exciting way of, of looking at photography and getting away from the idea that everything has to be sharp and in focus. But it's not about doing it through just depth of field, which is the other way we tend to look at it. You know, so you spend hundreds of pounds on these lenses that can give you a tiny depth of field, and when per when perhaps we can abstract things in a slightly different way. So two great photo assignments there. Some excellent work done. What are we going to be working on over the next couple of months? Well. I thought how about two again 
Um, and the first one, I guess, uh, how about the word symmetry? And then the second one, low key. So we kind of, again, get sucked into the idea that there's these rules of composition or guides of composition in photography. And one of the most uh, uh, important rules is the rule of thirds. And with the rule of thirds, as you can imagine you, you divide your photograph into a grid of um, nine equally sized boxes. So you've got these lines going across, you know, two two lines horizontally, two lines vertically. Let's have, for, for ease of imagination, let's have them equally spaced. And you put your subjects on the intersections of those lines. So what it means is your subject is never in the middle. It's always off to one side and down or up a bit. Um, and it really helps to, to make your photos look um, interesting. But for this assignment, let's have let's look for symmetry because the thing about symmetry, symmetry isn't always that natural in the world around us. You know, often the photography takers aren't perfectly symmetrical, and when you do do a symmetrical photograph, it can really stand out. So let's let's look for symmetry in the world around us or in the photography take. The other assignment, low key. Now, what low key refers to is a photograph where basically the majority of the photo is dark and uh, your subject obviously is kind of lit up but often the subject will be um, defined through shadows so think of if we were to have like a high key is the opposite where everything's mostly light so imagine a portrait of somebody you know just their head a high key portrait would be with like a white background and lots of light so you're, you're lighting them so you can see all their skin all the detail and everything where a low key portrait might be against a black background and maybe there's only a little bit of light that's lighting up their features and everything else is in shadow it doesn't just have to apply to portraits it can apply to anything um, you can underexpose you know any scene to kind of make it low key now notice the word underexposed because then I'm kind of making a judgment aren't I about what is a acceptable exposure um, and this kind of gets us away from the idea that there's only one acceptable exposure for any kind of type of scene and in fact we can make an artistic judgment about how light or how dark um, we want that photograph to be in other words what or which details we want you want to appear. So for that second assignment let's um, think about low key. In other words darker images than they normally be. And you can, you know, if you do a quick Google search for low key, you'll, there's loads of guys and tutorials, but generally your photograph is going to be darker <laughs> than the, norm, the normal one. So if you're using an SLR you can use uh, things like exposure compensation to darken it down so the camera doesn't try and automatically lighten everything up. Or you could also go for things like um, go to manual mode um, and even in your little point-and-shoot cameras they will often have exposure compensation where you can you can dial it down so it does a, a, a lower photo uh, does a lower photo that way over the next couple of days I'll fire up the relevant threads over on Flickr and uh, dive in and start posting your images now remember if you haven't done it already the Flickr group is free to join and you can just post your photos in this in the in the threads and the idea is just to gain inspiration and ideas from what everybody does and also it's all about taking new photos as well don't go through your photo collection of stuff you've already taken and post them because that's not really about the the learning process however if maybe you have got some old photos that would kind of help others to understand what's going on by all means put them in the thread
too. Now the last episode I recorded for uh, SEL was on Christmas Day, so I thought I'd share how I got on with my role of chief photographer for the festive season. Um, I mainly use my 350D Canon uh, digital SLR, but what I did was I paired it up with my new uh, YN565EX flash. Remember the flash I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, the one I got from the car boot for 20 quid. And I've got to say they worked really well together. The difference with the uh, YN565 versus the other flashes I've got is it's, is it's a TTL model, so it's an automatic flash, just like the flash you have when you pop up um, on your SLR or, or in your compact camera. So what that means is when you use your pop-up flash on your camera, um, the flash actually fires twice. What it does is it fires once to, to meter the scene, if you like, and then it adjusts the power of the flash and then fires it, um, fires it again. Now all the other Yongnuo flashes I've got um, can't do that, they're on manual, so you have to manually adjust the power. But with the 565 it talks to the camera, fires the flash twice in quick succession, and so you get these uh, beautifully exposed images. Now, you may also want to use the pop-up flash, because the problem is the pop-up flash is straight down the axis of the lens, isn't it? But with the YM565, because it's got a head that can spin around, you can bounce flash. So you can then do bounce photography, where you're bouncing light off the ceiling, which looks more natural. You get more natural shadows in your subjects very, very quickly. Now, I could do exactly the same with a manual flash, but obviously you've got to fire it off, check the back of your screen, maybe check your histogram and decide to, uh, to make some uh, make changes. Because it's fully automatic TTL-wise, the YM565, you, I can work very, very quickly. So as you're going from room to room or moving the camera around, and especially when you're changing the distance between the flash and the ceiling and the flash and the wall, because you're bouncing it, you don't have to worry about adjusting the power of the flash. It will do it do it for you. So I was very impressed with the with the way, that, way that it worked. It was more than powerful enough to keep up with all the photos I was taking during Christmas dinner etc um, and the recycle time was um, was very quickly as well. The only downside to it is the fact that because it is such a powerful flash people did eventually get a little bit annoyed with the fact that there was a thing that was blasting away you know blinding everybody every couple of seconds um, when I was taking uh, taking lots of photographs. The other camera I used a lot, awful lot over Christmas was my Fujifilm Instax Mini 7 and that's this little sort of Polaroid type instant camera and everybody really loved the little credit size photos it takes and you know sure they might be a little soft um, and composition through the viewfinder is really guesswork because it's never quite the same as what, as what you see but you know by using a little camera like that you're creating those those objects straight away those little things that can go in the bottom of a memory box or go into a drawer and be be hidden away you know you don't have to worry about having to print them out because they're there um and i was really impressed with it and it's a a great fun camera to make quick permanent shots um for posterity in the afternoon as well we had a bit of spare time so i did an impromptu headshot with my mel my daughter um, who was staying with us with Val's for Christmas. Yeah, and it was kind of inspired by Peter Hurley's uh, headshot photography and those two new light stands that Suzanne had been uh, kind enough to get me for Christmas. So I kind of set up my white protect projector screen as a backdrop with a flash firing into it and my two YN460 Mark IIs on these light stands behind to shoot through umbrellas. in like a, And the idea was to, to do like a clamshell type setup um, with with a light, a, an equal light and a above and below the subject so you get lovely evening 
even uh, lighting the problem was I didn't take into account that our kitchen wasn't really big enough for that and so with the subject standing there I couldn't get the, the top umbrella high enough to give me a gap to shoot through underneath um, and I also the fact that Val's was swinging off the light stands and, and knocking them over so that, that was quite quite difficult but you know we've got a couple of minutes worth of shooting um, but I think next time what I'll do is in in a sort of a house where you've got I mean we haven't got low ceilings but we haven't got high ceilings it will have to be a, a sitting down type shoot so I can get that first umbrella nice and high and the other umbrella sort of below with a gap underneath to, to shoot through um, so that should be a little bit more easy so 2013 is here and it's time for some photographic goals perhaps and maybe dare I say it resolutions but how about instead of me talking today about what say my plans are for 2013 are going to be I thought why don't we have a third photo assignment dedicated to that subject um, that we can stretch throughout the whole year so we don't just talk about what we're going to do but we have like a separate flicker thread where we can actually post some of the photos that we're taking for these photo projects that we've thought about that we're going to do for the year um, to kind of inspire and, and push everybody along um, to do that. So over on the Flickr photo group there'll be you know an, a, a few, I mean there's lots of live threads but there'll be the, the ones for the Flickr assignments which at the moment are going to be um, low key and um, what was the other one I said we were going to do? So that the low key and um, symmetry, um, and then there'll be another thread as well, which will be dedicated to photo projects. And maybe you know when you're working on a photo project and you take a photo, you know, post it in that thread with a little explanation about what you're doing. I mean, I thought that could you know get us thinking out of the box and making sure we keep on track with these uh, different personal projects that are so important to to our um, development. Um, so there we go, so that's it, so we're going to be doing three photo assignments, um, well starting off for three photo assignments for, for the new year. There's another thing I'd like to talk about as well, quickly, is, and I don't know whether this will work by the time the podcast comes out, but if you do a Google search for um, Adobe Photoshop CS2 download. I'm doing it as we speak as well, just see if it works. So Adobe Photoshop CS2 download. All right, and then at the oh, where is it? It's one, two, three. It's the fourth. Oh no, it's not. Where can I see it? Here we go. It's Adobe Photoshop downloads. Adobe Photoshop Windows CS2 Macintosh. CS2 download. Mm, it looks like they've pulled it off. On your computers, give it a go. Do a, do a few searches for CS2 Photoshop download. Because what they were doing, in fact, I tell you what, wait a minute, let me see if I've got it on my Adobe CS2 download. Let's see if it's still there. No, it's still there. What I'll do is I'll put the link in the show notes. Adobe have turned off the um validation servers for the serial numbers for 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 Photoshop CS2 now I don't know what what they are now at the moment they're on CS8 or something like that so this is an old version of Photoshop that only really works with Windows XP and earlier but because they've turned it off what they've actually done is they've created a page where you can just click on it and then download 
any of the Adobe programs for that era, everything from Premiere Pro 2, Photoshop Elements 4 and 5, um, Photoshop CS2, Acrobat Pro 8, etc. You can just download them, and there's, a, there's serial numbers there as well. And it's all totally legal, nothing illegal about it at all. And so you can download it and you can and, and run it. Now it's an older version of Photoshop, so it doesn't have things like um, that newest interactive fill. Um, it doesn't have the fancy black and white conversion filter on it. But it, it's a small, really fast version of Photoshop as well that works superbly on uh, on my laptop anyway. Um, but it gives you all the important things like masks and layers and curves and adjustments and, and all that sort of stuff. And it's very, very powerful. And I'm pretty sure as well, I haven't tried it, I have to try on Oliver's machine, is that if you downloaded... Um, Microsoft's they do like a virtual machine don't they so if you're running Windows 7 you can run older Windows XP programs that will probably work very very well indeed um, and one of the powerful things it does have that is really really good is it does have the spot healing brush which is great for taking dust out of your photos and uh, on, on portraits as well and stuff like that so just an idea um, I'll put the link in the show notes over at robnonphoto.com and if you you know, haven't tried Photoshop before and you're running an old like XP or something like that then download it and, and give it a go because um, yeah, it's, it's a great program I've always used it myself but you know for the past year or so um, I've kind of just been using Picasa um, but now I've got Photoshop sort of fired up again and I've got SilverX Pro that the, the uh, black and white conversion plugin in it as well you know it's kind of it's, it's kind of feeling really good again to get back into that um, groove of using Picasa to organize my photographs and um, using Photoshop for the heavy editing and silver effects for the uh, for the black and white uh, conversions right so that's it for this week thanks everybody for going over and posting their photos on the Flickr photo group thanks everybody for doing the reviews and putting the stars on iTunes that's really really good um, thanks everybody for posting on the blog but most of all thanks to you for downloading and listening to the podcast here's to an amazing 2013 and hopefully pretty soon I'll see you on Flickr